This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. I love the Church of Philadelphia. It's it's amazing if you look at the history of this city. The city was a, a little bit middle in all of Asia Minor. You had the northern uh, churches and then you had the southern churches. In fact, if you wanted to get through Asia Minor, you actually had to go through Philadelphia. Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. It was, in fact, a planted city, a strategic city uh, planted by the Greek Empire. They thought if we could put an outpost in this specific location, we could take Take Hellenistic thought and culture and spread it from the East and the West. What's also interesting about this is that Jesus too also knows the geographical importance of this church. And so what was an outpost for Hellenistic thought and culture would now become an outpost for the expansion of the kingdom of God. When you stop to think about it, this is how mission churches work. Whenever we look to plant a church into a nation or whatever, we go to the big cities. We want to get it into the city because if we can get it into the big cultural centers and we can turn the heart of people towards Jesus. It'll spread through the rest of the nation. And so Jesus saw this as a very important church, a church where he could see it as an open door to connect to the East and the West. Many years later, in fact, it was the highway that bridged both the Eastern and Western empires of the Roman empire, where the gospel transmission could flow. And so God always has a plan in the plant. He always has a plan in what he doing. And so I love this church because God has a great call. And when he speaks about the open door, he's thinking about the highway that's going to go right by that church. And so that church is going to be out there on that road. That church is going to meet many pastors going by and the gospel is going to be dropped in their heart and it's going to expand everywhere. See, God has a big mind. He has a big purpose. We've got to begin to see bigger than what we see in our own natural. What I love here about the Philadelphia church is they are actually an amazing church. They're one of two churches like Smyrna who God never rebuked. Think about it. Seven churches, five God rebukes, and two of them he doesn't rebuke. In this church, he, he comments on their deeds. And I want you to write a few things down if you're taking some notes. The first one is this church was faithful in ministry or fruitful in ministry. They, they were doing the works and the deeds of God. What God had commanded, they had fulfilled. And that is really a call on our life. Lord, I pray that we could catch your attention by our deeds. Like Pastor Tom said a few weeks ago, would we be a church that catches the attention of God? Would you be a family that catches the attention of God? Would you be that neighbor or that individual in your workplace that captures the attention of God? And God says, there is an anointing on this person's life. I'm going to continue to open doors in favor for that person. I love the second characteristic of this church. It was reliant on God's strength. Now think about the timing of what was happening this time. John was basically stranded or exiled to the, to the island of Patmos and the, the, the diaspora Christians were being spread out throughout the ancient world. And it was very difficult to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You were persecuted. It was like an X marks a spot on your back. If you believed in Jesus, 
Jesus, you had persecution. And what I love about this is even though they were weaker or even though they had a little strength, Jesus says, you relied on my strength. And I think that's a key takeaway in our own life is that even the little weakness that we have or the little strength that we have, we have to remember to rely back on God's strength. This Christian life was never meant to do it alone in the flesh. How many believe that? Amen. You know you need the power of the Holy Spirit of God to get you through. There's some days, right? Especially in COVID, you know how difficult it is. That job question, that family challenge, whatever may be going on right now, you know, God, I, I'm gonna lose it if I don't have you. But I have you and I thank you and I rely on your strength. This church relied on God's strength. He says it. Even though you have a little strength, you still have kept my word and you have not denied my name, which means my name has been well represented. You have done my name justice by your obedience and your reliance on my strength. The third thing that I love about this church is they were faithful in patient endurance. Pastor Tom said it a couple weeks ago that to be enduring means to be a bearing under of a weight. There is a weight that is upon your life that you have to bear and to hold up. They were faithful in the bearing of that weight. And that, sometimes it's like a pressure cooker life, right? You're going around, you're wondering, God, could it get any worse or could it get any more stressful? And God says, hey, hold on a little bit longer. If you can just endure a little bit longer, I'm coming soon. I promise you I have desired designed you for that weight and you can handle it. It says right here, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. That is the call for every believer. We have to endure patiently. It's not just patience, God, get me through. I'm waiting, but Lord, help me to endure. I wanna encourage you right now in the chat, just right now, Lord, help me to endure. Help me to endure. Help me to endure. We need to get that into our spirit. What I love about this whole experience is that what God sees these three things happen in the church of Philadelphia, he responds with an open door. And I love it because when we work with God, you're gonna begin to see that your faithfulness will invite God's presence to open new levels and new degrees of kingdom impact. We've got to see that. So anytime we see it, we've seen it in our own church as we respond to the call of God in our own life to be a big voice in a big city. As we are faithful to that task, God begins to set our eyes even beyond the city to maybe the nation or even to other nations. And that's what God does with all of our lives. He's always watching. He's looking at our lives to see if we will be faithful with the task that he's given. And what I love right here with the Philadelphian church is they saw what God had commissioned them to do. They were faithful in that commission. And God says, okay, I'm about to expand that commission. I'm about to open up the entire ancient world. So what happens here, the scripture says, is that Jesus says, behold, see, I, I open a door that no man can close. And that is God's divine authority to say, I'm about to start something that you're gonna step into. And so the question we have to always ask is, when God God opens doors, what do we do with those doors that open? I mean, have you ever had a moment maybe in your own life where God presented an opportunity 
Did you have a choice with that opportunity? You could walk into that opportunity. You could say, God, I will fulfill what you've asked me to do. Have you allowed an opportunity to pass by you, right? We've all been in that situation where we missed out on a moment where it was a divine moment and we missed being used by God in that moment. What I love right here is there is a process so that when the door opens, we've got to respond. And the first thing we've got to do that when God opens doors, I want you to write this down in your notes. We have to walk through the door, amen? That is basic 101, but the door opens, it means it's time to walk in. Now, some of you may say, if God's opened the door, I need the command to follow it, go through the door. Let me tell you, God doesn't always have to command you to go through the door. His action to open the door is enough to tell you it's time. Amen. So there is a Kairos moment, a time where God opens the door. He says, now it's time for you to proceed. But now we as believers have the choice. What are we going to do when that door opens? Are we going to walk through the door? Now, let me tell you, the enemy knows that he does not want you to go through that open door. This is the key question. Are we going to be obedient to God with the opportunity to take that opportunity and step in it? Let me tell you this. When God opens a door, it means we have to be committed in our heart to walk over that threshold. It's, it's, I'm not just going to stand in the doorway, God. I'm going to go through the doorway because I truly believe you have a purpose and a plan on the other side of this door. So why is Jesus opening the door? Jesus is opening the door right here to the Philadelphian church because of their faithfulness, but there's another urgency that he's sharing right here. And that shows up in Revelation 3.11. He says right here, I am coming soon which means the door that's being opened is going to open for a time until their quick return of Jesus happens. He says, I'm coming soon. Other translations say, I'm coming quickly, or I'm coming suddenly, or I'm coming really faster than you can imagine. I mean, Matthew goes on to say that this coming of Christ Jesus is like a thief in the night. It's going to catch you off guard. And so sometimes the opportunities that God gives us, we think we have all the time in the world to walk through the door. He's trying to say to the church in Philadelphia and to you and I, when God opens doors, don't delay, it's time to walk through. Because we right now do not know the hour and the time of the return of Christ Jesus. He could come back. He could come in and say, you know what? The door is shut. And let me tell you this, when the door has been open, the time he shuts it, there is no more time for salvation at that moment. It is when the end time experiences begin to happen and we are moving towards heaven. When the door is open, it's an opportunity for then the harvest season of God to begin to show before the end days. But my question is, how many of us in the church really see the open door of God's call, his mission to the lost and dying world? Do you believe that? Do you believe you have an open door, a commandment, a commission given to you? It's an assignment that every believer has, not an outreach team, not just a ministry or a church, not that you just come here on a Sunday morning or an experience online. And you're like, well, this is what our church does. My question zeroes in on your life. Do you see God opening doors of evangelism in your own life? Doors in your workplace, 
doors in your family, doors in your neighborhood. See, God is always opening doors. It's not simply that we just merely endure through the season being a Christian, but in this endurance, Lord, I'm here in the soul game business. I'm here to bring souls to the kingdom of God. But we've got to see that, we've got to believe it, and we've got to walk into it. It's not enough to just say it's a vision on the wall. We want to go after the loss. It becomes personalized in our life to say, you know what? I want to walk through that door. I want to invite someone to meet into a relationship with Jesus. And I am that person's answer in the kingdom of God. God will use you. How many believe that? Amen. Right now, put a chat right now. God, use me, God. Open the doors before me. Can I give you those some statistics that are absolutely troubling to me as a pastor? We as a pastoral team have recently talked about this. In a recent Billy Graham Evangelistic Association uh, survey found that 79%, I'm gonna say eight out of 10 people who are unchurched, that is, they do not believe in God, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. The statistics said that eight out of 10, 80% of those individuals would be open to having a gospel conversation. What's interesting is we already assume that the world doesn't want to have a gospel conversation. Is that not God opening the door? In a similar survey, when we surveyed Christians, they surveyed Christians, how many out of 100%, how many out of 10 actually share their faith? Did you know that only four out of 10 have shared their faith in the last six months? Even more, the majority of Christians, six out of 10, that is 60% of Christians have not shared their faith with anyone they know. Now that to me is blown away because God is saying to us, 80% of the world is ready for a gospel conversation, but only 40% of the church is willing to have that conversation. So my question is, how are you doing in that? Do you fall in the 40 or do you fall in the 60? Now, I'm not here to offend you, but the reality is we want more of God in our life. We want him to do so much of this, so much of that. I'm praying, use me, God, big impact. And we're not willing to go across the street to our neighbor and talk to them about Jesus. See, the reality is we have this all backwards, all upside down. We wanna pray for the open door, but when God puts that open door in front of you, are you gonna say, hey, can we have a conversation? Could I tell you a little bit about Jesus? I'll tell you this, we have a great class here at CLC that I would encourage you to get a part of. We have Evangelism Explosion. We have other outreach ministries that you can get a part of. If you don't know how to share your faith, we will help you show how you, you share your faith, how you tell your story. In School of Discipleship, we cover this, but it's not enough to just simply know it. We've got to walk through the door, amen? So right now, so Lord, help me walk through the open door of evangelism. Help me to walk through that person and begin to minister to them. Help me to see the needs, God. Help me to see the hurts, God. Give me open doors. Just like when Jesus was walking down the street and came against a well, and he met a woman that was in need of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those open doors right now. I pray right now that open doors would happen all across our church family. I think the second thing we've got to do that when God opens doors, we have to walk in it. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to expect opposition. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to go looking for fights. 
I'm just gonna say not everyone is thrilled that God is advancing amazing mission impact in your life. There is an enemy, right? There is the demonic. Let me tell you, when you begin to step through open doors, you're about alerting the enemy. He's not gonna like that. Let me tell you this, how many have experienced opposition or persecution? I know this, God will often open doors. If we don't walk through them, what'll happen is the enemy will often leave us alone. But the second we start walking through open doors, when we're in, in, in task and in mission with God, watch out because often opposition will come. See, you're disrupting the demonic powers. You're disrupting the spiritual oppression. You're claiming a stake on a person or a land for the sake of the kingdom of God. You're bringing light into darkness. And let me tell you, Satan is not gonna give you a platter of the land and say, sure, have whatever you want. He is threatened right now. He is threatened by your effectiveness when you can step into mission with God. We have the opportunity to set captives free. We have the opportunity to declare liberty to those caught in bondage. We can literally have the power to steal souls out of hell. The reality is Satan doesn't like any of this. How many know that to be true? He hates this. He is threatened by your potential. But you know what he's not threatened by? He is not threatened by churches that stay ineffective. He is not threatened by Christians who just go to church and just do the church thing, but are not living on mission. In fact, he wants churches to have a good experience of a country club Christianity. Just do anything you want. In fact, God will open all the doors. Just don't walk through them. Just stay ineffective. And I'm okay with that. He will leave that church alone. But the problem is it's gonna happen as we see next, next week. If we're not on mission with God, God is gonna spit us out. We're, we're not even in purpose. We're not in, in, a, in a call of what God has given to us. We're being disobedient. We're actually in sin. And the reality is, I know this isn't popular, but the truth is God is coming back. Souls are in the balance. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And if we don't do our part, I'm telling you, families and generations could land in hell because we are insecure to cross that threshold and we're afraid to cross that threshold. But the reality is, I don't wanna see anyone per perish, amen? I don't wanna see anyone have to go to hell because I was unwilling to take that opportunity but there is a spiritual war that's in place. When we become on mission, let me tell you, we're spirit empowered, we're taking war, amen? Let me tell you, being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. You are putting on the armor of God. There's a war, there's some spiritual battles. You're gonna take things out of the natural realm. You're gonna go to the spiritual realm. You're in prayer, you're in fasting, you're in worship, you're standing on the promises of God. When you start beginning to activate your faith like that, I'm telling you, the enemy is going to flee. He is afraid of us. We have that much power when we begin to come on mission with Christ Jesus. I want to give you a, a word of how this happens even to the greats. Paul says, even to the uh, book, uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, 7 through 9, for I do not want you to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many that oppose me. Even Paul, you think, well, God, if you want me to open the door, can't you just remove the enemies? That's not how it works in the Christian life. That's the question of our faith. Do you proceed? Do you continue to endure even when there is a trial that's ahead of you? Even when there is an enemy that opposes you? 
Here's what I wanna remind you though is, Jesus says this, when he opens a door, no one can shut and what he shuts, no one can open. See, the enemy wants to close the door, but he doesn't have the authority to do so. As long as God continues to keep the door open and we're obedient to walk in it, yes, there will be opposition, but we still are guaranteed the victory, amen? Thank God right where you are. We have the victory. We are overcomers in Jesus' name. Look at this though. This happened in the church of Philadelphia. As they were spreading the gospel, there was a, a bunch of Jews, you know, we called them the synagogue of Satan. It showed up a, a couple weeks ago and these fake Jews were calling upon the tradition of Judaism, yet they were not living. And so they were in sin. In fact, I wonder, because they found themselves in this Greek city, I'm wondering if they had been, in a sense, secularized. They were just Jewish by blood, but actually they didn't have a, a vital walk with God. And, and maybe even the early church right here, perhaps, was trying to reach out to them, to minister to them, to bring them to the Lord. But they were so secularized. They were so far away. Jesus says that they had opposed the church. And he he says right here, I have a plan for those who oppose you. He says right here, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, although they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Why this is so important is that it, it doesn't matter if we experience opposition. What matters here, and I have to remind myself, you have to remind yourself, we have to remind ourselves that it is the love of God that is gonna even show, even before our enemies, that God is on our side. And I think we have the call, the mandate to love, the call to continue to minister, the call to be a big church and a big voice and a big city, to be a big life group and look beyond the life group and, and look at the neighborhood that we're in. We have such a huge mandate, church. And I don't know if you sense it and feel it, but I know it feels like the end times are here. And we've got to be ready to hit the iron when it's hot. When God opens the door, we've got to walk in it. We've got to see there's going to be some opposition, but there's victory in the, amen, in the, in the end. I mean, the third point we've got to see is that we have to rely on God's strength. You don't just walk through doors on your own, amen? You have to walk through the doors in your strength. What I love about this Philadelphian church is even though they had the little strength, they relied on God's supreme strength. It was the strength they needed to continue to overcome. And for those that feel weakened right now in this season, I wanna say, lean in on God's strength. His strength is going to get us through. I love this. Paul reminds us, and I have to remind myself, it's one of my favorite passages. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, Paul says that in the context of this distress and this anxiety, maybe the depression that he might've been feeling, the kind of loss, the, the tribulations, the trials, the hardships, we've gotta know that we can do it from the, the, the strength that God gives us. I love this. This is another passage. It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful life verse for me. Just a reminder when I'm down, when I'm having a hard time. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness 
so that Christ's power may rest on me. Right now, I just pray, God, let your power rest on your people right now. Where we are weak, God, I pray that you would just begin to establish your sufficient grace, that we would have everything we need for the experience we're going through in your mighty name. He goes on to say, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. That is truly the walk of the believers to humble ourselves to say, you know what? No matter how strong I think I am, no matter how big others think I am or how successful I am. I mean, I get that all the time as a pastor. I'm still a human that has oppression and things that pop in my life. I have to humble myself and say, God, you got to give me strength. God, every time I share God's word, God, give me strength. When I'm ministering with somebody, give me strength. Even when I don't feel it, God, give me strength, amen. And I'm just praying right now for those that are weary or tired, wherever you might be in this season, God has strength in store for you. If you just ask for him right now, God, touch me, give me strength, help me to stay on task, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. So what do we do when we, open, we walk through open doors? What I wanna encourage you, we've gotta to go to number four. We have to trust God's promises of preservation. Let me tell you, many of us are fearful about the future. We wonder, God, if I walk through the open door, what will happen to me? I've wondered that all the time. I mean, it could be in any decision of life. Maybe you take a new job. Maybe a ministry opportunity opens up. Maybe you marry that person. What's my future like, you know, if I do this or do that? We, we always wonder whether or not God is gonna truly preserve us in our future. And Jesus reminds the church in Philadelphia, listen, I hold your future. I'm in the future. Remember, he's alpha. He's omega. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. And in this whole journey, he's trying to get us to trust him that he will truly give us the promise of preservation. So God is not gonna lead you to some field to let you die, amen? How many believe that to be true? God is gonna lead you to have the victory. He will preserve you. I mean, how many times did David say, there are thousands upon my left and right that just want me dead. But God, as I I run to you, I find security in you. We have to remind ourselves that in these end times, when they become difficult and they could get a whole lot worse, God will always preserve his church. It's not maybe, it's a promise. He will preserve you. So we can't worry about the future. The scripture says this, he makes this comment. It's so powerful here. Revelations 3.10, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is gonna come to the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Let me look at that again right here. He says, I'm going to keep you. That means I'm going to protect you. I'm going to preserve you from this hour of trial. Now we know this, the hour of trial is the great tribulation. It's the time where God's wrath is going to be unleashed on literally heaven and earth. It's going to be just, it's all out war and the inhabitants of the earth are going to feel the weight of God's wrath. The question is, what are we going to be experiencing in that time? And I know there's a lot of theologians that would give you a lot of uh, understandings right here. But what I see right here in this passage shows that the hour of tribulation, that trial is actually not coming towards you and I as believers, but the inhabitants of the earth. And the question is, what are the inhabitants of the earth? Well, John gives us that in Revelation 17, 8. It says right here, verse eight, the beast, which you saw 
once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth, there it is again, look at that, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. So the inhabitants of the earth are the ones that have not had their names written in the Lamb's book of life. So if you wonder who the wrath is directed towards, it's directed to the people that do not have their names in the book. Now, if you're a follower in Christ Jesus, this is why it's super important that we have a faith with Jesus, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, because God says, if your name is in that book, I'm going to preserve you. If your name is not in the book, it's going to come, it's going to test you, and it's going to experience the full wrath of my anger. And let me tell you, we always don't hear it a lot in churches these days, and I'm thankful that we have a church here that speaks about repentance and we call sin, sin. We call righteousness, righteousness. But the reality is there is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a wrath of God. And all that has been stored up from as long as man has lived, every injustice, every oppression, every sin is bubbling up right now in God. And at one point he will release all of that wrath. His powerful wrath on those that have not yet received. And that's why it's super important that we have a walk and a relationship with Jesus. Now, theologians give us two options. How does he plan to preserve us? The first one, we as an Assemblies of God believe this view is that God will rapture his church before the great tribulation, which means before the wrath comes, or even before the, the tribulation comes, God could literally take a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and it says in Matthew that two will be in the field, one will be lifted up, and all of a sudden, within a twinkling of an eye, we are, we are raptured, we are caught up in the air, the scripture says. That's one option. The second option is that God will protect us through the great tribulation, which means we could experience the tribulation, but somehow what hits people around you won't touch you. It might be diseases. It might be other issues. It might be challenges. Let me say right here, my theology says, I really hope that God raptures us. Amen. Amen. I, I just, I want God to take us out, but I've got to prepare just in the event we don't have the rapture. We have to go through this thing. I still see that God has a promise of preserving us through the tribulation. So you've got to know that God's hand is going to shield you and protect you. Either he will take you out or he will protect you so that you don't have to go through it. And so this is such a huge reminder when we go through these end times, these difficult times, we have to trust God's promise of preservation. The transition here, as I want to move on to the last point is, number five, we have to stay on track until the very end. Right where you are, just go ahead and uh, put in the chat, help me God to stay on track. Let me say this is super important. Scripture says here in Revelations 3.11, I am coming soon, Jesus says. Hold on to what you have. Listen, this is super important, church. So that no one will take your crown. Let me say this. Remember, Jesus in the early part of our text says, he can open doors and he can shut doors. But once he opens a door, no man can shut the door. Here, even though God can uh, open a door and close a door and no man can shut the door, here, this enemy can take the crown. So he can prevent us from grabbing the crown of life. And this is happening when we're not faithful, 
We've got to stay on track. And so God will open the doors. We'll do what he's asked us to do. But even in the open door, if we're, un, if we're not faithful with God has given to us, it's possible that we could lose our crown. And it's, this is huge. This is a matter of life and death. The scripture says, let no one take your crown. I think of Paul that was saying, you know, I run the, the race to the prize, which God has called me heavenwards. There's a prize in heaven. We've got to see it's a crown. Now the crown here is not a crown of royalty. It's a crown of victory. It's a victor's crown. It's a different type of crown. We will have a crown of royalty, but that crown of victory is, God, I have, I have made it through the race. I've pressed on through. I've got to the end. I've endured to the end. And let me tell you, the end times, it's going to be a trial for all of us. Listen, there's going to be apostasy in the church. The scripture warns, don't take the mark. Be aware, be cautious. All that Pastor Tom has been preaching the last several weeks, let me tell you, that hits us square center in our own faith. We've got to be active and know who we really are in God, but truly living out that call as we live in this dark and disparate time. But I see the open door, church. And the race is, God, while you keep the door open, help me to be persistent in my commission. You've given me the mission. You've given me the mandate. You've given me the prize that's ready for me. If I just, if I run the race, I don't want to dip out. I, I don't want to give out. I don't want to, I don't want to throw in the towel. I want to keep on pressing on. Right now, some of you may be wondering right now in your situation, God, where are you? Maybe you're sitting there wondering, God, is there, is this going to ever end? I don't know if I can endure anymore. Maybe you've even contemplated life issues like, Lord, do I even want to be around here? I mean, suicide is on a rampant case right now in America. Depression, mental health is very challenging. Let me tell you here, stay on track. You can do this. God has a plan for you. You just have to rely on his strength and keep the path moving. Stay on track. And I'm gonna get to our last one. We have to remember our reward. There is a reward and this is the incentive. Can I tell you something about the reward? The scripture gives us two amazing rewards. The scripture says in Revelation 3, 12, the one who's victorious, victorious, that's the one who gets the crown. He says, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of my city of my God the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. See, if you were in the Philadelphian city, in the city of Philadelphia, you would have seen pillars left and right of the city. You would have seen pillars scattered along the roadways because of the earthquakes, just like Sardis that had earthquakes. The temples had collapsed. The pillars were on the floor. And in fact, it moved the people in and out of the city. What Jesus is saying right here, your experience with the pillars, I have a plan for heaven for you. You're gonna be a pillar in heaven. You're gonna be established in heaven. Look at this, it says right here, never again will you leave it or will they leave it. We have to remind ourselves what God establishes in eternity. We're there for eternity with him pillars. And on the pillars, like they did in the ancient times, they inscribed the name, the name of the victor, the name of the city, and the name of the God. Those three names were put on every Philadelphian uh, uh, 
pillar. What I wanna say right here is you've got three names given to you. His name, it might be Yahweh, it might be Jesus. It's Jesus's name being put upon your life. I love the second one, it's a New Jerusalem. That name, it's not like the earthly model. It's not the earthly town, Jerusalem. It's a new Jerusalem, a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. And the third one I love right here is that a new name of God, which no man has heard, no revelation has ever said about this, but the name of God, an incommunicable name is being inscribed upon our life. I wonder what that name would be like. It's like God saying, you are my possession. You're mine and no man can take it. Now, when you compare and contrast with the other names that were put on foreheads, you had Babylon the great was put upon the one that followed the whore. You had the other one who was the Antichrist and they had 666. Remember, it's all dealing with possession. But if we're of Jesus, we've been possessed by God. We are his possession. He gives us a reward if we hold on, if we walk through the open door, if we're dedicated to him, if we're faithful to him, if we rely on his strength, if we do it in his abilities, if we stay on the track, we remember the promises of God to preserve us. All of these things are reminders along in the journey. We have a reward that is set before us. As I come to a close, I believe it's super important that if you're listening here, God has opened the door. Perhaps you've just clicked on, you've never heard about CLC or our church, but God has supernaturally allowed you to hear this word. You may know, you know what? I really don't know what my eternity looks like. In fact, I don't know that if I were to die right now, where I would, I would spend eternity. I believe in God, but maybe I've never really given my life to God. The reality is your eternity is at stake. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, the scripture is very, very clear. We are judged for eternity. Now you may go, that just seems unfair. I've been a good person. I, I haven't been that bad to go to hell for eternity. Why could God do it? It's not God that is doing it. Our choices have allowed us to say, you know what? I wanna live my life without you rather than with you. And when our life is separate from God, this is when eternal punishment takes place. Let me give you a little bit of an analogy. It's like you're out in the boat, you're out there drowning and Jesus comes on the boat. He throws a, a preserver for you and you have the opportunity. Do I grab the preserver or do I sit here and drown? Is it God's choice that you don't grab the preserver or is it your choice because you chose death? The reality is we have to choose life. We have to choose today who we will serve because our choices today and our behaviors today and our actions today determine eternity forever. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.